Hallelujah. Lord, prepare us to be a sanctuary, tried and true, who you can work through. Take away our stony hearts and give us hearts of flesh again. Fill up the vacant spots with your word to take root and to be grounded and planted firmly. Weed out the thorns for your words will work in us so that we can hear today what the word is and bring increase in our hearts and minds as a result of hearing a hundredfold. Now, Father, I come and petition your court with an earnest expectation and a thank you in advance for the harvest of souls. For the harvest of souls. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Lord, open up the blind eyes, the deaf ears, the hard hearts. Open it up, Father, so that we can walk in a newness. Not the same old thing, but expecting different results. Glory, let your word fall on good ground. Hallelujah, and manifest our harvest. And if it can't be a hundredfold, we'll take the 30 and 60. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, I ask you to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to um, do a message, and the title of that message is, Are You Growing in Faith, or Are You Stagnated by Life's Challenges? Are you growing in faith, or are you stagnated by life's challenges? And the supporting scripture is Romans 5, 1. But before I get into that, I want to just uh, bring out a few little tidbits that I've gotten from other pastors that I think is worth uh, repeating for the, for the edification of our souls, as well as a quote from uh, my oldest child, oldest girl child, rather. And from Pastor James Merritt, he talked about the barriers of, of faith, the things that's preventing us from walking in faith. And so he gave five points. One is problem of evil. Now you may want to write some of this stuff down. Like I said, these are little tidbits that's in addition to what we're going to hear in the message. Hypocrisy in the church, that's number two. Hypocrisy in the church. Number three, science and scripture. Number four, racism slash bigotry in the church. Number five, judgmental Christians. Now, if you want to hear his message, you're going to have to go online, touchinglives.org, to hear the message. But I want those points because I want you to think, let them penetrate you and think about these points, okay? And then uh, someone else, and I don't remember who was, I got this from reading something, is, is uh, seven scriptures to pray 
for a good night's sleep. Seven scriptures to pray for a good night's sleep. The first one comes out of Psalms 4, and that is for your sleep in particular, okay? And all of these are coming out of the book of Psalms. Psalms 31. If you had a hard day, you know, if you have a hard, had a hard day, then when you go down, when you lay down to go to sleep, you're revisiting all of the stuff that you went through. Okay, so Psalms 31 will eliminate that. Psalms 51, for forgiveness. You see, we don't need to lay down to go to sleep, and you haven't asked God to forgive you all of the sins you've committed, with sins of thought, word, deed, action, omission, commission. Okay. Psalms 65, for thanksgiving. And that's the other thing. We don't thank God enough. You need to thank God for every little thing. You think you got to have something that you particularly ask for before you give him thanks? No. The fact that your eyes open up yes. and you were breathing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes. You kept me through the night yes. and woke me up yes. this morning yes. with a sound mind, yes. a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We need to be giving him thanks more because the more we give him thanks, the more he'll show up and bless you with the promises that he has given us. Amen. Amen. Song 71, for our anxious thoughts. Because he says, don't be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer, supplication, and the giving of thanks, make your requests known unto the Lord so that his peace can cover us transcends us, guard our hearts, guard our minds. Amen? Amen. Psalms 112, for your loved ones. We need to pray for them. And especially when you see people that are struggling or having a hard time, well, you need to be interceding for them. You need to be interceding to make sure that your family and close friends are saved. You don't want anyone to perish because that's why Jesus came. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And we need to be praying for their salvation. We need to be praying for their salvation more than praying uh, to change them so you can get along with them. <laughs> because if we're both saved, he's going to change both of us. Amen. Amen. And the last one is Psalm 118, for your children. And don't, don't pray these uh, selfish, arrogant prayers for your children like I think I said it was on Wednesday just because they came through your loins they don't belong to you Amen. you're just a steward over them Amen. they are loaned out to you and God is trusting you to do what you need to do to prepare them for what he created them to do oh it's real quiet now mm-hmm that's okay they don't belong to you. They belong to God. Amen. He put them on earth to do a work that you can't even comprehend, that you don't know or understand. You barely know what he created you for because you're not in purpose. So you need to be in tune to God in order to pray prayers that will lead them to the destiny that God has set for their lives. 
You need to be praying prayers that you would even be the proper steward that you need to be over your children so that they are cultivated and nurtured in truth and love and that they become whole, whole in Jesus Christ, which is where they will get their confidence level, not from reading some help books, okay? And uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick, I love this statement, he says, your tolerance for tension will determine your growth. That's good. I'm gonna say that again, okay. Your tolerance for tension will determine your growth. And that means, you see, we are more concerned about the issues and the problems rather than how they're going to be resolved. Amen. You can tolerate more when you give it to God and you're, you have hope and expectation of him fixing it, which then increases your tolerance level. See, our tolerance level is low because we're trying to do it in our flesh. As a natural man, that's what I mean by flesh, that you're trying to do it through your own understanding and through your own body. No, these things have to be done through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the, the last little quote that came from my daughter says, Lord, I choose to forgive but help my heart to match my confession. Yes, amen. I'm gonna say that one again. Yes, <laughs> Lord, I choose to forgive. Because remember, forgiving isn't about how you feel. It's about a choice and an act of faith. You know you need to forgive, but because you've been wounded, hurt, or whatever, you feel like, oh, I can't. Yes, you can. You don't have to feel it. You just got to believe God's word. And he says to say it by faith. So by faith, I am confessing that I choose to forgive, but help my heart to match my confession. Amen. The Holy Spirit will do just that. Because when you walk in faith, he comes to support us, comfort us, and to lift us up to do whatever we put our mind to do. Put our minds to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, now um, um, to our message, and you're going to have to help me because there's so many different things that's running through my mind. I'm like, God, help me to do this in a sequence that it flows because I want everything that's been running through, I want to just speak it out. Where was that? It, it, there is a scripture that says, what I whispered to you in your ear Shouted from the housetop. What I revealed to you, speak it out. Okay, let's go over to Romans 5. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are dealing with, uh, with so many different things uh, right now. And right now, there's been a season of, of people dying that have been cl close to us that we know. And, uh, and they've been relatives. And the thing that's been pressing upon my mind is because I know we're gonna grieve and it's gonna be hard, but have we done all that we needed to do to guarantee that that person, when they passed away, went to heaven? That's far more important than the fact that they're no longer on earth. Amen? Amen. 
so, okay, Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so many people think that they can ask for peace, for peace to come upon the earth and peace in this situation and that situation. But we know what the Bible tells us in Matthew. He says, I didn't come to bring peace to this earth. In fact, I came to bring a variance, which is a sword that will separate evil from good, that will separate the dark from the light, that will separate lies from truth. I came to give peace to those who know me. That means your situation may still be messed up or you may be having a struggle or whatever, but in it, I will give you peace. We've heard about the 23rd song. It was, uh, it was an inspirational moment and it also was the song of worship. That song is not about burying somebody. It's about burying your thoughts. <laughs> That's what you need to bury, okay? In order for you to hold on, to get through, and hang in there, because all of those wonderful promises that the, God, that the Lord promised us as a result of that 23rd song are the benefits from holding on and putting your confidence and your trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Romans, Romans 1 states that... Um, it's stating, therefore, being justified by faith, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, justify, you all know, that means that your debt has been paid. But you didn't pay it. Jesus paid the debt. So if you understand that he paid your debt, then you ought to have peace and, and, and you ought to be operating more in faith than trying to make other people pay you back for what they've done to you. Yeah. Amen. Okay, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the, get no, no amen and all of that. I'm just going to trust that you're being yeah. so convicted yeah. amen. that you can't talk. Amen. <laughs> okay, in a natural turn, this is how I see it. It's being in Christ is like having a credit card that your company pays for with no limits. And that can be used anywhere and everywhere. So it means you don't have to pay it back. You got free will with it. Amen. <laughs> now, what we need to understand, and I guess this is one of the reasons why it's so hard for believers to, to receive this kind of peace because we've been churched in religion so that we really don't understand what our spiritual walk is supposed to be about. Because, see, there is no peace in religion. It, it affords only rules, regulations, condemnation, jealousy, resentment, competitiveness, pride, arrogance, error, and idol worship. That's the result of religion. Amen? But Jesus came to abolish the laws. He came to abolish all of that to provide us with liberty and freedom. So our faith is Christianity. 
faith is Christianity as long as your faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Christianity produces growth and the works of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us, such as love. That's the first thing he wants to work in us, love. Now, you need to understand the kind of love that he's talking about. It's not fleshy. Okay, it is a love that is more powerful and stronger than anything else that you can think of. Because it will govern you to do what's right, pure love. Okay, so love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These are the characteristics of Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in exchange for the mess that we operate in, he gives us his fruit. Now, those are the traits that I just talked about. Amen? I know you want to be looking and acting better than you've always acted in the past. I need to hear a real amen. Amen. You didn't come to Jesus Christ to stay and act the same way you've been acting all of your life, and you're in bondage, you haven't arrived, you can't get over, you're confused, you're messed up, you're double-minded, and you and you and you seesawing back and forth, back and forth. That's the result of not having Jesus. Amen. But with Jesus, you can become stable, sound, powerful. Amen. Faithful. Justful. Amen. So only way you can operate in that is to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is no good thing in the flesh. You don't have no power in your flesh. Because if you did, you would have been further ahead by now. And some of the stuff that you're dealing with never would have come into place in your life if you were as powerful as Jesus. Amen? Okay. So these traits, the nine fruit of the Spirit, are all worked in us by faith. Which, we're, which we are pri- privileged to have by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, let me tell you, he doesn't work all of them in you at one time because you would die. Because, see, he would have to strip all the mess off of you at one time. And if he did, can you imagine, feel like somebody's tearing at your flesh? Well, well he, that's what he have to do because since it's a soul tide of all of these messed up things in us, he strips it off, he burns it off, and then he replaces it with one of his fruit. So we have to do it one at a time. Amen? Amen. And, and so it is painful for that to come off, but it has to hurt yeah. so that when you get the good thing, you can recognize that you got the good thing. I, I, rem- I remember praying for peace, and then one day something happened, and um, uh, I, I, all I can remember is the end results. I don't know what happened, but something happened and um, how I was responding and reacting to it. Then the Lord pressed upon me, now you got peace. 
I'm like, oh, wow. So all of that pain and discomfort I had prior to was preparation for him to show me. Now you have peace because you're not handling it the way you had been handling it in the past. Amen. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we have been delivered from the power of sin and death if you're born again. You've been delivered from the power of sin and death. Not from sinning, but from the sin holding on to you, keeping you in captivity. You've been delivered from the power of death. That means, as a believer, you don't die like an unbeliever is going to die. You're supposed to be dying now, which means you're supposed to be letting your flesh die from the pampering, the lies, the feel good, all of that stuff, you're supposed to be letting your flesh die now so you can succumb to the things of Christ. So when the next death comes, you don't die. Your flesh goes back to dust, but your soul and your spirit lives on. Okay? So understanding that we have been delivered from the power of sin and death, why do we let sin drive us crazy? Because that's what it does. Some of the craziest things you do is because of sin. And all sin is a form of insanity. Temporarily insane. While you're sinning. Okay? Why let sin lead you to eternal death? Why let sin lead you into eternal death? God's greatest concern for man is about our souls because he is the only one who can destroy both our souls and body in hell. See, people can destroy your body, but they can't mess with your soul. Only God can do that. And this is why we need to surrender our way and our will to God. God, I thank you that by your spirit, hallelujah, Jesus, you're working a new thing. You're opening up the deaf ears, the ears that purposely tried to close out and shut off, but you're too powerful for that. Open them up, Holy Ghost. Set us free. Deliver us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when our main focus is on our pleasures and comfort to the flesh, the great concern of our bodies is at the expense of destroying the soul. The great concern about your body is at the expense of destroying your soul. Amen? Amen. Once we have accepted Jesus Christ through a salvation experience, our hearts are immediately changed. Now we must focus on the deliverance of our soul. You see, when we got saved, you didn't get all the way free from entanglements. Your heart was changed immediately. And thank God, because now the soul can be delivered. When you let the heart rule and dictate, because it's following after Christ, after truth, and after life, okay? Now, we must focus on the deliverance of our soul by first crying out to God to reveal your strongholds to you. 
See, so many of us are, are ignorant of the strongholds that we're possessing. And, and, and mainly because you've probably been living with them for so many years that they're such a part of you. Did you think that's your personality trait? But it isn't. It's not who God created. And he wants to bring us back to the original creation. Now, for the sake of any of you that find that hard to believe, what you have to realize, what happened in, in the garden? See, the original plan of God was for us to be perfect. Okay, we were all going to be all just wonderful. But in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned. And so that sin cursed us and caused human beings to come into the world broken, evil, wicked. But God sent another Adam to give us the opportunity to come out of that position and not to be overcome by it all of our days. We could be made set free by the second Adam, and his name is Jesus Christ. And in order to save us, his blood had to be shed, and it had to be a pure sacrifice that would cleanse you once and for all. Amen? And so this is, this is the battle of life, is that you have, anyone who is not saved in order to get free has to come to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. Once you get saved, now your battle is because your eyes have been opened. See, before they were closed and you were blind to the fact that you were a sinful, evil, wicked person. Okay? Now that your eyes are open, now you can fight the battle because the battle is for your heart to overcome your soul and take authority so that you don't operate in the old nature, but you're operating in a new nature. Okay? So this is why you cry out to God to, to reveal to you what your strongholds. Then second, you ask God to walk you through deliverance for your soul deliverance. Walk you through the deliverance. We want God to do everything like a microwave, you know. And sometimes he does deliver us from certain things just like that. But most of the stuff, he's got to work it out of us for us to appreciate our newfound freedom. And so because you didn't get free when somebody laid hands on you immediately or get free from everything, uh, because you fast and you didn't get free from every, everything, it does not mean you're not free. It means that you got to walk through this and you got to stay with God and be patient with him so that your eyes can see what he's already done in the spirit. But when we take our eyes off of him, like Peter did when he was walking the water, as long as he had his eyes on God, he can walk the water. But the moment he took his eyes off of him, he began to sink. And that's what we do because we don't have enough patience, long suffering to stay the course until we get through to the other side, to the other side, not in the middle of the road, but to the other side. Then, then you can see what he's already done. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. When we keep our focus on sati satisfying the body with natural comforts, our soul stays bound up. Yet, the Bible tells us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible tells us to kill the body in order to live. Because you're just merely walking dead people. 
the Bible tells us that there is no good thing in the flesh. Yes. No good thing in the flesh. Well, why are we pampering it? Why are you always giving it what it craves? Yeah, you got to learn how to talk to it. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah. You're no longer in control. Yeah. The heart is controlling you. You will not have what you've been accustomed to doing. You can't go to the places that you used to. You got to talk to your soul Amen. for the change to come. Yeah. It, you just can't. Because you made up your mind, now it's right. Yeah. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. The yeah. Bible tells us that he that findeth his life shall lose it. Yeah. And he that loses his life for my sake, says the Lord, shall find it. What, did, what, did, what do that mean? He that find, when your whole focus is on your body, get craving, satisfying, and all of that, you've lost your life. Yeah. Because real life is in Christ Jesus. Amen. So when our focus is always about how I feel, when it's all about how I feel, I've lost my life. Yeah. But when I give it to the Lord, and now my focus is on, Lord, am I pleasing you? Yeah. Lord, what would you have me to do? Because I'm telling you from experience, when you focus on God and about what he wants you to do, you will lose what you're worrying about concerning yourself. Yes, yes. But it takes practice to do that. And, you, and if you don't practice it, don't think he's just going to work it in you. Because he's a gentleman. He's not like Satan. Now, Satan will just come and take over. But the Lord is a gentleman, and he's waiting for an open invitation for, you, for him to come in and do what he needs to do in you. Because the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. His love draws us to him to open up so he can come in and dwell in us. Amen. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. When we make God first in our lives and we are living our life to serve him, and to fulfill our God-given purpose, we gain life then and a greater spiritual life. That's how you get life and a, and a greater spiritual life. Now, let me just, I'm going to go in another di di uh, direction. Bible scholars have grouped the Bible's teaching on death into three distinct but interrelated categories, physical, spiritual, and eternal, okay? Now, I'm going to read out of, out of, out of my uh, Bible dictionary about all three of these because I think it would g give some of us a little better understanding so we can stop focusing on the minor and start focusing on the major, and the major is new life in Christ. The minor is your struggles and all of the things that you're dealing with that has been developed in you throughout the years, okay? Now, talking about physical death, remember I said that they measured on three things concerning death that are interrelated, okay? So the very first one, the very first category is physical. So physical death, this is what it says, scripture closely associate death with the malevolent activity of Satan, 
we know that that's how it got into the earth because Satan deceived man mm -hmm. in the garden, whom Jesus labeled a murderer from the beginning. And you'll find that in John 8, 44. Satan is a murderer. Not only is he a murderer, he's a liar and he's a divider. So he comes to divide, separate, he lies to you. Let me tell you, <laughs> he can tell you a true statement and lie to you. True statement is a fact. The lie is, this is how it's going to be. You take that true fact and you give it to God so you can hold on to his truth who changes all things. Amen? So you become discouraged and feeling hopeless and you fall into the prey of the same old thing because Satan said, yeah, she did so-and-so. Yeah, he does so-and-so. It's a fact. But the truth is, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, do you believe Jesus can change everything and anything? Do you believe that Jesus is a healer? He's a deliverer? He's a judge? Yes. That he's faithful? Yes. Well, why not think he can change whatever the mess that you're in right now? It is not too great for him. Yes. He major in impossibilities. Yes. It's impossible to us and for us, but it's not, it ain't even a thing to him. Yes. But he's waiting for you to have enough faith to say it, 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 until your eyes see it. Yes. Yes. The entrance of death into the creation came through the cunning temptation of the serpent. That you find that in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. The writer of Hebrews ascribed to the evil one the power of death, namely a paralyzing and universal fear of death. Unbelievers have a paralyzing fear of death. We all have a fear of death, but they are paralyzed by death, okay? From which believers are liberated by the atonement of Christ. Amen. Hebrews 2, verses 14 to 15, it says, we have been deliberated, um, we have been liberated, I'm sorry, we have been liberated by that kind of fear of death. Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. What does it mean? Because he delivered us from the power of death by the blood on the cross. Amen. Although physical death is sometimes compared to sleep, which you will find in Deuteronomy, John, and 1 Corinthians, and 1 Thessalonians, scriptures does not teach that one's consciousness lapsed after death to reawaken at the day of resurrection and judgment. Jesus promised the repentant thief on the cross that he would see paradise the very day of his death. So what does this mean? That even on your deathbed, hallelujah, Jesus, you can confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and be saved to go to heaven. This is why when we have relatives who we know are not saved, but are sick or on their deathbed, you need to minister salvation to them. You need to make sure that they have invited Jesus Christ to become their Lord and Savior. If you don't want to mourn and be in grief, 
because the, if, they, if they were not saved, your grief is, you can't do nothing with it. But because they are saved, we grieve at first, and then it's over, and then we celebrate and rejoice because we know we're going to see that person again in heaven. Amen. Amen? Paul teaches that for believers, being absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. Amen? Amen? So our physical death don't put us out of hope or out of position. We are going to be with the Lord. Do you want to be with the Lord or do you want to bust hell right wide open and have eternal damnation? Amen. Amen. The next depth is spiritual depth. Now, the results of Adam's falls fall are not limited to bodily death. Scripture characterized fallen humanity as dead in trespasses and sins. And you find that in Ephesians 2.1 uh, 2, and Colossians 2.13. Human beings are born with the sentence of death hanging over their heads. Remember, I told you how that all happened from the garden, okay? So we are automatically born with that. Don't think you're going to escape because you think you're intelligent. <laughs> Don't think you're going to escape it because you live in a certain part of the country. Don't think you're going to escape it because you found the man or the woman of your choice. The only way that you can escape that is to find Jesus Christ and recognize him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay? Amen. It says, but they are also born with corrupted desires and inclinations that render them completely dead to the peril of their own accumulating gift. As such, humans are alienated from their creator. The mind suppresses what can be clearly seen of God in his creation, preferring to worship idols. In other words, without Christ, before Christ, there's such a darkness over us that we can't begin to see or understand. You could read the Bible, but you don't understand it, and you, don't, you, you cannot see what he has planned for you to see in it because you're coming in a broken old, wicked nature that cannot, it's dark. It's from darkness, so it cannot comprehend the light. Amen. Okay? They will refuse to acknowledge the truth of God's self-declosure, which is in Romans 3.10. Now, um, their aff afflictions cling to sinful cravings, preferring them to the, uh, preferring them to the righteousness of God. Their spiritual deadness, if not counteracted by the grace activity of God and the gospel, will lead to eternal judgment. Now, it talks about the parts of your, of your being that's going to be affected, and you add it all up, it's called the soul. Your will, your affection, and your spiritual death, that's the soul that is afflicted, that prevents you from hearing and getting the truth that will have you to walk in freedom, okay? Now, the last one is eternal death. Bodily death does not end the accountability of rebellious humans before the holy triumph God. After the appointed hour of death comes judgment. 
The Bible used the word death at times to describe the wrath of God visited upon unbelievers in the afterlife. Though this hellish reality is sometime, sometimes called perishing from John and 2 Peter and destruction from Matthew and 2 Thessalonians, it cannot be understood as the annihilation of the person. In contrast with the monetary sting of physical death, the death that awaits the sinner at the last judgment is pictured as conscience and eternally unrelenting, which means you go to hell and there is a unrelenting suffering that happens continuously and it never ends. It's torture. And, and, and there is no peace for your soul at all. Okay, right, ever. The universality of sin means that each human being, with the exception of the, of, of the sinless Jesus of Nazareth, stand deserving of this paramount expression of God's justice. Do you want God's justice or do you want God's sanctification that comes through salvation? because you're going to get one or the other, and that's predicated on your choices. Let's go over to Hebrews 10, because we need to have a pure understanding about what's going on, so, you, so when you meet Jesus at Judgment Day, you can't say nobody didn't tell you, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to go ver from verses 19 through 25. He says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he have consecrated for us through the veil that is to stay his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, and that profession is confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke or stir up unto love and to, and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm going to go back to verse 19. When he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holies of the blood of Jesus, that means that the cross has, been, has made it possible for any and every believer to come into the presence of the very throne of God at any time as you so desire. Amen? Amen? Yeah. So uh, the boldness means confidence. It don't mean you know, like the boldness that we see in the natural. It means having the confidence because you know now that it's been made for you through the cross where you can enter into the presence of God at any time, anywhere, anyhow, anyway. Okay? Verse 20 says, By a new and living way which have consecrated for us through the veil that it is easy, that is, it is to say his flesh, which means by this new covenant, the new covenant is Jesus Christ on the cross. That 
Before then, we were separated from God and from entering to the holiness, but because of the cross in Jesus Christ, that veil has been ripped and torn, and now we have a free entrance way to, get, to go in to God at any time. Jesus, him giving up himself on the cross, opened up the way to God and ripped the veil apart. Amen. 21 says, in heaven, a high priest over the house of God. That just means that Jesus Christ is the head, the high priest, the great one. And, and in order to get to the Father, you have to go through him. This is what the Bible tells. You cannot get to the Father without going through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is why I am not impressed when people say, oh, they know God or they in church. That means nothing. Do you know Jesus Christ? And is the church in you? The Bible did say, be ye in church, be ye in Christ. Because as a result of being in Christ, you desire to be in church. He says, um, 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 verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That means faith in the finished work. It's the finished work of the cross, which we have through Jesus Christ. So we've been cleansed by Jesus' blood. Amen. Amen. So we're free by Jesus' blood. If you're in captivity, it's because you don't realize, number one, that you're in captivity. Number two, because you choose to stay there, and you're not willing to accept the free gift that he has to pull you out. Amen. 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 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. In Christ and the cross, all of the Lord's promises are yes and amen. The new covenant promises are salvation and total victory over sin, and it can be realized in its totality. Remember, Jesus don't half step. We're half-stepping. Reach in and get all that's been promised and left for you as an inheritance. You don't have to go nowhere. You don't have to be a part of no special club or special kind of group, fraternity or sorority, the Masons, the Eastern Stars, or none of that stuff. All you need to do is call on the name of Jesus, and you can be on a crowded bus and call on his name and get all that he said he has for you. We, don't, we go to all, all these organizations and different groups where there's demands and commands and rules and regulations and stipulations and all of this, and God said, my yoke is easy, my burdens are light. Just come to me, freely ask, and I will freely give all that you need. 23 says, let's hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful and promised. And, 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 and that's what, what I just said. In the cross, through Jesus Christ, then his promises are sure, and we don't have to fret about, is he going to do it? Will he do it? The only reason why he's not doing it, because you are not pulling on his virtue and because you don't have enough faith to go and grab hold of what he said he will freely do because he's faithful and just to do what he said he's going to do. 24 says, and let us consider one another to, to stir up unto love and to good works. True faith in Jesus and the cross will lead us 
or provoke us unto love and good works. Amen. 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 25 says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much for the more as you see the day approaching. It is important for believers to assemble together and organize service and fellowship. When we cut off the assembly for any reason, it is due to the influences of Satan, for he is the God of division. He knows together that we can come and encourage one another, okay, and, uh, and, and encouraging each other in our faith, building up each other in uh, our faith. And during these last days, it is so important that we should be doing this and understand. We should be uplifting each other and encouraging each other so that we can hold on and not faint and fret and miss our due, due season. When people leave the church because of emotionalism, because they say that they're offended, then they are being motivated by Satan and, and, and their flesh and and and. And it has nothing to do with spiritual things. I hear people leave because they're offended and then tell a lie about the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit didn't talk to you. There was a spirit talking, but it wasn't holy. Because the Holy Spirit will have you to press through whatever is going on and to stand until you see the change. Another kind of spirit will cause comes to bring division and separation because he knows if you stay there, you're going to get free. You're going to get delivered. And he don't want you free because if you get free, you'll come in tune to why God created you and mess up his kingdom, Satan's kingdom. And Satan don't want you in his kingdom, so he wants to keep you bound. So have you offended or over every little thing. Jesus don't offend you. What did he tell John the Baptist? Blessed is he who's not offended in me. You can't be in Christ and be offended and let offense direct and guide your path. And we need to be praying for saints like that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> salvation is our lifeline and very necessary it is our comeback to God which was lost in the garden it is the ticket to eternal life in heaven with God when this body returns back to the earth to dirt to dirt then our souls and our spirit go immediately to be with the Lord when Jesus comes back he will raise us up and give us a new glorified body to cover that soul and that spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Death began at birth. When we were born, we start dying right away. <laughs> okay? Life begins with new birth in Jesus Christ. And without him, we are walking dead people. With him, we have everlasting life now Paul gives us some good news in 1st Thessalonians 4 let's go over there and and, and I'm gonna climax with that 1st Thessalonians 4 and the verses 13 through 18 and this is Paul's good news and his instructions to believers amen but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, 
that means who's dead, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. In other words, for believing believers that are dead, you don't sorrow like the world who has no hope. We have hope. His name is Jesus. We have victory because the victor, Jesus, lives inside of us. So our grief should not be like the world's way. Amen. Amen. For anything, we grieve over stuff that is still living because it's not like how we want it. Well, you got hope. It may not be the way you want it, but you sure can pray it into where it needs to be. Amen. You may not be where you need to be spiritually, Amen. but you can pray it in because the glory of hope resides in you. How dare you to give up? How dare you to look in another direction to get what only God can give you? How dare you to make excuses for your bad behavior when you're supposed to be a child of God that can go to God with that mess and say, take it away, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. How dare you? And you say you know the Lord and you call by his name. Well, if you call by his name, call his name to change what's messed up in you. 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Do you hear that? You don't die an everlasting death when this body decay on this earth. Because as a a born-again believer, you have life everlasting. Your soul and, and your spirit went with Jesus the moment this body decayed, waiting for the new glorified body. Hallelujah, Jesus. He says, um... For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not perceive them which are asleep. In other words, we won't get there before they do because he's going to raise up the saints. He's going to raise up the saints that, that are dead, and then he's going to lift up the ones who are living. Hallelujah, Jesus. And those who died in Christ are still going to be buried because he's coming back again to judge them. I'm I'm on purpose with this because we need to understand who we are in Christ and we need to operate in faith, joy, 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 and in love and act like we are believers, believing believers, amen, who are overcomers because we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony comes out of the word. Amen. He says, for the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. You're going to hear a voice and you're going to hear the trumpet when he comes. Hallelujah. And you're going to know the sound. You're going to know it's time when you hear it. You don't have to be asking nobody, well, is this the time? Is this the end? No, you're going to know without a doubt, without a shadow of doubt. Okay. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds. The clouds is, called, is people. It's not the clouds. It's a cloud of people that we're going to gather. That means all believers, amen, amen going to uh, come up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever, hallelujah, Jesus, always, so shall we always be with the Lord. 
Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, when you have a believing believer who passed in the Lord, comfort the family with these words. And if you want to be able to comfort them with these words, when you have unbelieving relatives and friends, lead them to the Lord so you can have some peace if they part from us. We should be grieving because they died outside of Christ, which means they're going to burn in hell for eternity. That you don't want to see nobody that you love in like that. Amen. So we should be about the business of telling folks about there's a way out. His name is Jesus Christ. And by his blood on the cross, we can be delivered and saved and have eternal life, eternal bliss with our Lord and Savior. That's the good news. That's the only good news. Everything else is temporal, subject to change, and to go away. But with God, we are here to stay. He's lifting us up to give us a glorified body to that soul and that spirit to make a new earth like he had planned the original way and to bring us back down. Now, don't let little personal mess keep you from entering in because your heart has hardened so that you can't funk function, you can't focus, you can't think. Don't let earthly stuff prevent you from having a heavenly bliss with our Lord and Savior for eternity. Don't let people become your God where you can't see the future and you don't have no hope. You can't see a way out because your mind is focused on some more clay that's going to go back to dust just like you. Put your eyes on the prize, on the high calling. His name is Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes there. When you do what you're supposed to do, God will keep you and he will fix the mess. Amen. Do what you're supposed to do. Every time you get out of step from doing your spiritual duties with Christ, all hell breaks loose. And then you begin to lose and, oh, Lord, I don't know why. I can't understand all... No, you can't, because, because didn't I tell you earlier that sin drives you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> That's why you can't understand. Come back to Jesus. Yeah. Step to Jesus, as the Baptists yeah. say. Yeah. Come back to Jesus, and you'll get a better understanding. Yeah. There are certain things that we must do called precepts and principles in order to reap the blessings and the benefits that God has for us. And it's just really simple. It's just obeying God's word. Yeah. He's not asking you to jump through no hoops or any of that. He just wants you to obey his word and so that you can come to know who you really are. You don't know who you are because if you knew who you are, some of the dumb stuff that you'd be doing, you would not be doing it. Sometimes when you're upset and angry and you can't even really tell anybody, well, it's what she said to me. It's how he looked at me. You going to go to hell over something like that? Please, no. I value myself far greater than that than to let you take me to hell. Wake up. 
Don't smell the coffee, smell the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and recognize, don't let people put you in a box where you're down and depressed because of their behavior and their action when God said you are above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. And that he will bless you with all spiritual blessings. And he's seeking to put his loving kindness on you. You don't have to settle. Amen. And, and, and when I say that, that don't mean, especially with you married couples, that don't mean you got to uh, uh, divide, separate, and divorce. It means take authority over the dumb stuff in your house. Because if it's not equaling up with what Jesus said, it's dumb. Amen. It's from darkness. Hallelujah. You have the light in you. You have the light in you. You have Jesus Christ in you. When you come into the room, light's supposed to come on and take over the dark stuff that is happening. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Take authority. You have been given the right to have authority over darkness, sin, and death. You've been giving the name of Jesus, the authority, the power by his blood. Stop sitting around moaning and whining and crying over stuff that God has given you the ability to overcome. And to take authority over. Over everything. Let me tell you, God told Adam and Eve in the beginning, take dominion. But when they sinned, they lost that right. But when we accept Jesus, we get the right back to take dominion over this earth. Take dominion. Take the authority over. Don't let the wicked one rule in your heart or in your home. Take dominion in the name of Jesus. That's one of the benefits by being saved is that you can take dominion over darkness. And when you take dominion, over darkness, this is dark, you take dominion, the light comes on. The light comes on. And darkness can't handle light. When the light comes on, the darkness dissipates and it hides because that's how Satan does his work. He does his work in the dark, in the night. Don't let your heart be dark. Because he can work in your dark heart. You tell God, give me a heart of flesh again. Take away the darkness. I'm standing up. I'm taking charge. I'm taking authority first over myself and then over the rest of my household. In the name of Jesus. He never intended for me to live like this. So why should I settle? I'm if I'm settling, I'm saying, God, you ain't qualified. You ain't good enough. And we all know that's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. That's what Satan thought, because he thought he was going to take over everything from Jesus. That he thought he, but Jesus had him in a high place because he was very beautiful, good looking. I don't know what you want to call an angel. But anyway, beautiful, very talented, the best singer. And his, his voice was like instruments. And so God puts him in a high place. So he thinks he's going to take over and take God. And he's still struggling trying to do that. So what he does now, in order, he thinks that he can get God by getting his people 
So he messes with us. But I don't care how many of you he has, he cannot defeat Jesus Christ. <laughs> he cannot defeat Jesus Christ. Amen. But don't let him steal the glory of God through you. Wake up. Stand up. Take charge. Take dominion. Stop believing the lies and the hype that you hear. And start accepting what this Bible has to say about who you are and what you're supposed to do. I don't care what's going on in this world right now. It is not the author and the finisher of your faith. It does not define who you are as a person. Only what you embrace and buy will define that. And so when you hear certain things that they want to try to put us back in, in, in bondage, if you receive that, you did it, they didn't. You received what they said. They didn't put you in bondage. You received it. You embraced it. God has given you a free will and a mind to make choices. Choose whom you're going to serve. This day, choose whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the God of lies, the God of division, the God of ignorance, the God of darkness, or are you going to serve Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who came to liberate you, set you free, set you on high, and take away the sting of death and sin. Choose thee this day who you're going to serve. Father, we thank you for your word. That is life, light, and truth. And God, I pray that even those who are on Zoom that heard the message is ready to make a transition today and change their God. That they're ready to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and no longer listening to the system of the world, the views of the world, and the lies that Satan whispers to them in a hard time, and a turmoil time because that's when he lies to us the most, is when we're kind of down and out. And that's why you have to say, I cast down all imagination, vain, in every high thought that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And I bring into captivity all of my thoughts, Father, to you. So I choose to think on you, who is lovely, holy, a good report, with much virtue, and the list goes on, and he will flee, he will flee. God, I thank you for the way out that you've given us. And so we wanna confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner, but I'm coming to you, Lord, because I am tired of this lifestyle. I am aware that I have been overcome by sin and weakness and lies. I want to overcome that by accepting your son Jesus into my life so that I can walk in the victory that he prepared for me. Forgive me of all the sins I've committed Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus 
so that I can walk in the newness of life. I thank you for the gift of salvation. Now, Lord Jesus, I need the Holy Spirit to come into me and fill me so that I can walk this Christian life the way my Father desires for me to. I thank you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the two best gifts in the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'm going to do the benediction, and then after that it will be open up for questions and answers and, and uh, book review and whatever. So I pray that the seed has fallen on good ground today and that you have received it. And all that you don't understand, you'll go home and meditate on it and reflect on it with Jesus Christ so he can make it clear to you so that you can walk the path of righteousness. And God, I thank you for the traveling mercies I can bless your people with as they leave this place to go to their next destination. I thank you for their safety. But I thank you that they will think, be proactive about the next place that they go. That it won't be business as usual, but it will be a newness in them and they will refrain from any evidence or semblance of sin. But they will go and tell somebody, I met a man today, his name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that will remind them about what they prayed and what they heard. Burn it in their hearts, Father, like you told me. And we will give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs>